Chapter 16 of The Fortune Hunter, a novel of New York Society by Anna Cora Mowat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. A partner suited to my mind, solitary, pleased, and kind, who partially may something see, preferred to all the world in me, sliding by my humble side, fame and splendor, wealth and prime. Countess of Winchley. Rachel Clinton was not immediately aware of the communication which her mother was making to Esther, for at that period of Mrs. Chadwick's visit she was sitting in her own little boudoir, but not, as usual, sitting in solitude. Mr. Allen, who was paying her a visit, had requested to see some of her drawings, and for the first time she had admitted him into her sanctum, partly because she was too modest to display her own skill, or lack of skill, in the parlor where casual visitors were continually entering, and partly because Mr. Allen followed her, uninvited, when she went to seek her portfolio. Furthermore, he seemed to think the little car sofa in Rachel's boudoir far more comfortable than any lounge which the drawing-room contained, and, once seated, expressed great unwillingness to change his position. Both parties seemed less at ease than usual, and many long, awful pauses occurred in their conversation, which Rachel tried to relieve by displaying the contents of her portfolio a proceeding which plainly showed that her thoughts were wandering, for, in general, her mauvaise honte made her almost painfully reluctant to display her own performances. "'It has been almost a month since I have seen your friend Mr. Ehrenstein,' said Rachel, by way of suggesting some new topic. "'Yes, I think I told you that he was ill ever since the evening he passed here.' His mind seemed to have received some severe shock, in what manner I cannot understand, but he has not left his room for a month, and his melancholy has greatly increased. He was affected, I believe, by the strong likeness which he traced in Miss Walton to some deceased friend. Yes, thus much he told me, but the subject appeared to be so painful one that I did not induce him to dwell upon it a number of questions concerning miss walton which i answered to the best of my ability she is an orphan and the niece of mr lemming is she not oh no her uncle's name is mordaunt mr lemming was formerly her teacher he is now her protector then i made a gross mistake but i presume it is hardly worth while correcting as in the present state of my friend's nervous system the mere mention of her name affects him. Did I not hear Miss Walton herself was ill? Yes, poor Aria. Nobody will feel her loss more than I shall. Yet I have a presentiment that she is rapidly passing to a brighter sphere. I am convinced that she is a victim to consumption. She is so quiet and uncomplaining that none of her friends yet realize it. But I have passed the night and day with her— and am too familiar with the cares of this kind to be deceived. 
I said that nobody realized her situation, but I mistake. Her uncle appears to me to be aware of it. He is a cold, harsh man, but once or twice lately I have seen him regard her with the tenderest pity. It was only last night that, for the first time in his life, he returned her affectionate kiss, and then passed his hands hastily over his eyes, as though he feared they were moistened. Is she much changed? Yes, very visibly. She has not lost her wondrous beauty. Some of her beauty I think she has lost, for it consisted in the varying, beaming brightness of her face, in the buoyant sense of being which seemed to animate her whole frame, and these have entirely vanished. But her loveliness has only increased. She is calm and very still, though never sad, Sometimes she moves like one in a dream, as though her thoughts were contemplating a state of holier happiness than is permitted to us on earth, and yet she has not lost her interest in the affairs of everyday life. She pursues her usual occupations with the same energy, and is always ready to discuss any new project we have on foot, and to lend her aid. Her character has become perfected as of late. And when I remember that whom the gods love die young, I cannot think that she will live. She is a strangely interesting being. She is, indeed. Again, there was a pause. Rachel scattered about the loose sheets in her portfolio, and Mr. Allen employed himself by twisting the leaves of a pamphlet that lay beside him into dog's ears. When he had sufficiently disfigured the book to become aware of what he was doing, he threw it by and said, Rachel, Rachel colored deeply, for it was the first time he had ever addressed her by her Christian name, I wish, Rachel, that you could divine all that I would say. Rachel stammeringly expressed her inability to do so. Tell me, at least, that I do not offend you when I call you by the familiar name of Rachel. You are quite welcome to call me so, but that name does not happen to be a very beautiful one. It acquires its beauty from the spirit of its possessor. Will you believe that, to me, it is the dearest name on earth? Rachel could hardly credit her ears. She had long striven to check the affection which was springing up in her own heart, she was convinced that it could never be returned, and when she found that her thoughts continually dwelt upon Mr. Allen and his estimable qualities, she persuaded herself that she only entertained a high esteem for him, and called her warmest emotions by the convenient name of friendship. She now sat trembling before him, not daring to meet his eye, lest he should read in her heart what she was not aware until this moment that an invisible finger had written there. She strove to reply, but the unmeaning word she attempted to frame died away upon her lips. You do not answer me, dear Rachel. You do not tell me whether I may hope to win a wife who wears the name which I have learned to love. Yet I look to you only for an answer." to me? What attraction could you have ever found? How could 
I have ever endeared the name to you. No, no, I have grossly misunderstood your meaning, said Rachel, involuntarily and with uncontrollable agitation. Not so, my own Rachel. I may call you mine, may I not? And to prove to you that you have not misunderstood me, I will answer you your questions. If the answer proves a long one, you must be patient. For several years past, I have been called a woman-hater, because I mistrusted your sex too much to take pleasure in their society. But you have not found me one, have you? I entered life with brilliant prospects and without experience. My temperament was warm, and soon I became deeply enamored of a beautiful girl who had hardly attained her eighteenth year. I offered myself and was instantly accepted. Fortunately, I was not totally blinded by my passion, and I endeavored to study the character of my future wife. I found her full of envy and the slave of her own passions. She entertained the bitterest feelings of animosity towards those of her own sex, whose beauty vied with hers. To hear them admired made her miserable. She lived in the very breath of adulation, yet, in spite of this, she fascinated me, and I loved her and persuaded myself that I could correct these errors of her character and education. But I did not know then how thoroughly selfish was her nature. The dreadful suspicion soon entered my mind that she was incapable of returning my affection and had merely accepted my hand because it was reported that I was a man of wealth. To test her love, I one day hinted that I found my affairs much involved and that I had many fears for the future. We were passing a fortnight at Saratoga. She did not reply at the time to what I said, but before we left the springs she was engaged to a gouty old millionaire, and coolly informed me that she did not think we were suited to each other. I loved her well enough to make a fool of myself for a while, and when I recovered my senses I very illiberally concluded that artfulness, calculation, and selfishness were the characteristics of the whole sex. I suppose you will dispute that I had come to my senses, but I thought I had. For several years I mingled but seldom in society and resentfully eschewed all intercourse with your sex. By the persuasion of a friend, I was induced to accompany him to Miss Adair's ball. I considered myself a spectator, and not a participator in the festivities, and found my principal amusement in watching the maneuvers of the company, every individual of whom appeared bent upon accomplishing some particular purpose. It was then that my eye fell upon you. You were following your beautiful sister about, performing a thousand kind offices for her, and evidently gratified by the admiration which she elicited. When she danced, you seated yourself without the slightest appearance of mortification at being neglected, and I observed that you made yourself agreeable to the ladies beside you, and seemed to enjoy the gay scene as much as anybody present. I ask your name of Mr. Ellery, whom I saw speaking to you a few moments previous, and from him I learnt some particulars of your history. You were an heiress, and your hand had often been sought in marriage, 
and yet you had too little vanity to suppose that you had inspired a tender affection and determined to renounce the advantages of wealth that you might find sincerity you were neglected by your former lovers and yet entertained no pique towards them or the world in general and could find happiness in performing kind offices for others this is really a noble woman i thought to myself here is one breast in which the monster self has never been enthroned i requested an introduction to you the better i knew you the more i esteemed nay loved you answer me one word have i wasted my affection or have i laid it out at usury to find it brings back twice its value rachel answered but that inarticulate disjointed answer it would be impossible to repeat for rachel herself hardly knew what she was saying yet her reply was all that her lover could have desired and as he looked upon her glowing cheeks and pressed her to his heart he inwardly exclaimed who that saw her now could say she was not lovely End of chapter 16